Bulletproof Radio, a state of high performance. You're listening to Bulletproof Radio with Dave Asprey. Today's cool fact of the day is that people evolved to sleep a lot less than chimps, baboons, and all other primates we've ever found so far, which frankly is probably all of them. If we were like normal primates, we would need about 9.55 hours of sleep, and a lot of these guys get 9 to 15 hours of sleep every day. But we've evolved differently, according to a study on evolutionary anthropology. They think when our ancestors came down from the trees to sleep on the ground, we had to spend more time awake to guard against predator attacks, that little fight-or-flight response that still serves us well today and wastes a lot of our time and energy. And secondly, we've had a lot of pressure to learn and teach new skills and to make social connections, and we evolved to actually trade off sleep for that, which is kind of cool. That said, uh, looks like we now evolved to need 36% less sleep than we should have if we were just monkeys. Good thing we're not just monkeys. Well, except for maybe me. What if there was a way to level up your energy, get rid of stress, and take more control of your body? Welcome to Quantum Upgrade. This is a new technology that taps into quantum energy to help you feel amazing. Quantum Upgrade has a lot of different products that help protect you from EMF and help activate your body's natural healing abilities. You can expect better sleep, more resilience, less stress, and better blood flow. The cool thing about Quantum Upgrade is that the products are backed by a lot of heavy-duty scientific studies, and there's a new measurable upgrade. You can now use Quantum Upgrade to increase your consciousness levels between 1,400 and 2,200 on the Hawkins map of consciousness. If you don't know what that means, do some research because it's impressive, it's fun to learn about, and it's something that I've come to understand. Ready to try Quantum Upgrade? Visit quantumupgrade.io slash Dave for a seven-day free trial. Everyone's talking about red light therapy beds, and for good reason. There's a company called ARRC LED that's building an entirely new class of LED devices. ARRC LED beds integrate proprietary scanning technology and frequency protocols to shape the delivery of six different wavelengths in dose-optimized photobiomodulation. Yes, that's a lot of words. What it is, though, is that photobiomodulation improves the underlying energetics of the cells in your body. And those changes can benefit nearly every tissue and organ and system in your body. You change your cells and you change your life. For more information, visit ARRCLED.com. Today's guest is Naomi Whittle. Naomi is a fascinating woman because she's a very successful entrepreneur in the supplements and natural product space, so successful that Twin Lab acquired her company a few years ago and then asked her to be CEO. So she's CEO of one of the largest and most respected supplement companies out there. And she's coming on today to talk about her story of how to be a woman entrepreneur and how to really blaze the trail like she has and to get to the very highest levels of what is a really competitive and cutthroat business when you really learn about it and to talk about some new work she's been doing uh, and even a new book she wrote. So it'll be a fascinating interview. And Naomi, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Dave. I'm thrilled to be here. And how many hours of sleep did you get last night? Um, I'd have to check my phone, uh-huh. but I've had on average for the past 1,789 nights, six hours and six minutes of sleep, according to my app here. Wow. 
And it makes all the difference. Like, do you use, you do your sleep cycles? And I know for me, getting into my circadian rhythms and understanding, you know, like every single cell in my body has a clock. And if I can sleep at least seven and a half hours, I'm, I'm optimal. So you're weak? Pardon? So you're weak? You need seven and a half hours? I am oh my, weak. You're I probably am not weak. as healthy as you could be because healthy people need less sleep. You know that, Interesting. Right? I need more just, than I need more. I definitely need seven and a half. I was sleeping eight, and then I and then I learned, you know, my body did better with seven and a half. But I am a little weak. <laughs> and it's totally funny. I'm teasing you about that, but I found a study of 1.2 million people that looked. It was the only one with enough data to really look at half hour increments. Mm. People who sleep six and a half hours a night live longer than people who sleep eight hours a night. Yes, I read that. You did. And, uh -huh. it, and it doesn't mean that you're, anyone, including you or me, should sleep less. I just found that the results of that study really just say healthy people need less sleep. That's why they die less. It's not that sleeping less makes you die less. Yeah. So the fact that you're able to run at the level you do on seven and a half hours of sleep is pretty impressive, to be perfectly honest. And it doesn't really matter. Everyone should sleep as much as they need. <laughs> I just want to be able to get the most out of the yeah. sleep that I do get. Well, let's start there. I, I want to hear how you got into this. But first, all right, you sleep seven and a half hours of sleep. Are you like militant? Because you have a really busy schedule. Are you militant? I go to sleep at exactly 10.07 no. p.m. or anything like that? No. So um, I love to sleep seven and a half hour. That's my optimal. But for the past two nights, I have slept like four and a half to five hours. I mean, you and I were just talking as we were walking in here about travel schedule, right? And you're like, I don't know where I'm going to be tomorrow night. Da, 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 da. And that can be the life of, of uh, you know, very busy CEO or entrepreneur. And so ultimately I'm dealing with jet lag. And so the past couple of nights I've had less than five hours and it's suboptimal. But first thing I did this morning was get my shoes off, get on the beach, which I'm very lucky because I can, and ground myself and move in that, you know, in the water. And so that makes a huge difference to restore. The first time I ever figured out that about jet lag, I was flying from California to Heathrow and then driving to Cambridge, mm -hmm. England once a month for more than a year. It wow. was brutal. That's the worst jet lag ever. And I was experimenting with jet lag. And I was like, exercise in the morning will raise my body temperature. That's the key. And the one time it wasn't raining in England, I did yoga in the park. And I was, it works. My jet lag is gone. <laughs> and then I did yoga in my room and it didn't work. Mm. And it's because I was in the park earthing and yeah. grounding and dropping that static charge that builds up when you fly actually matters. And it's so cool to hear, you know, a big time CEO talking about that. I wish everyone who flew would just figure that out. Like take your shoes off and like stand on the grass. Just don't stand on the dog poop and you'll be fine. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's a big part of the recovery. No, there's no doubt. And I think, you know, for any of us, any of us who are creative and entrepreneurs and we're looking to push ourselves above and, you know, sometimes take that good stress and it becomes chronic stress. Yes. Um, it's, it's a whole different game. And so learning, you know, the techniques and the, and the skills to really be able to deal with that kind of stress is where I've focused my past couple of years. So you learned that over the course of being an entrepreneur, but what got you started? I want to hear mm. how you got to be in the supplements business because, well, it's, it's a dizzying business. Uh -huh. I mean, Bulletproof is obviously in it, no, uh -huh. nowhere near at the scale of Twin Lab. Uh, and I'm just learning there's like tens of thousands of companies and people and a lot of competition, a lot of fake products and all that. The jungle. What, what made you want to play in this jungle? It's, it's really interesting. So for me, I'll, I'll share a little story and I think it will give some background. Um, and I'll start with when I was about 14 years old. So I was 14. I had moved over from the UK. I grew up in Europe, I moved over when I was 12. 
And I was 14 getting ready for the spring dance. And I had my eyes set on this one boy in my class, Clovis Chester Young. And I was <laughs> totally excited to go with him. And the thing about me at that age is um, my body, I have um, an auto, I have a couple of autoimmune disorders, but uh, you and me both, <laughs> right? And so for me, it was exhibiting itself as eczema and really severe eczema. So eczema that would bleed and pus oh. and I would cover myself, right? Because you're like awkward about that. And I would cover myself up to, you know, my wrists and all the way down. And I always dressed that way. And I would skip a lot of the things that other people would be doing. Like I wouldn't go to the pool with my friends. And my mother said to me, she's like, look, honey, it's the spring. It's, it's hot outside. Like you want to be able to just like wear your t-shirt and shorts. It's no big deal. And you have enough friends. You don't need to feel uncomfortable at this point in your life. And so I did that. And when I was out, my Clovis saw me and he didn't invite me to the dance at all. He like, uh -huh. and I'm like, okay, this sucks. I'm, I'm a reflection of what's going on on the outside of my body. Doesn't mean boys. I know he was so mean, but the <laughs> thing was, is so ironic, Dave, um, because I was born on a biodynamic farm in Switzerland. My dad's a chemist and everything that my parents did was about creating health and well-being, And yet I couldn't you know, reduce the inflammation that was coming from this eczema. Well, and you look great today. So it was, and I'm in my mid forties now, right? So I went through every single process. I tried every natural ingredient. That's how I grew up. And when this thing happened with Clovis, I just said, I'm going to, I'll take whatever, I'll take steroids, I'll do whatever. And I went to my first conventional doctor and it somewhat suppressed the eczema, but ultimately, in my 20s, I was able to like reduce about 95% of the inflammation through acupuncture and through Chinese herbs. <laughs> and so these little Chinese herbs like really got me excited about this industry. And if you fast forward really quickly, I was getting ready to have my child and uh, my husband and I went to my integrative medical doctor and he discovered that before I was ready to get pregnant, that I had very heavy metals, oh. a large quantity of heavy metals in my body. And he traced it back to those Chinese herbs. Oh my goodness. So here's this jungle of this nutritional space. And I, as a consumer, was just like, I can't believe that I don't know what it is that I'm putting in my body that I thought was helping me, but it really was hurting me. And so that put me on the path um, to, to get into discovering where things come from. And so when I built um, my nutritional supplement company, Reservage, I started with the farmers. Right. I started with the soil and I got involved with supply chain. And that's what I've done all these years. And that's what really got me interested in the, in the industry. It's really funny because my kids live on a biodynamic farm yeah. <laughs> and so do I when I'm not in a hotel room in Miami, uh, uh -huh. like we are now recording this. And I also look at soil because everything yeah. starts with soil and it's just offensive. Some of the things that companies will do and it's hidden three layers underneath things and just building uh, clean products is really hard, way it's harder so than hard. you ever imagined. Yeah, because companies can have the best of intentions. But after being poisoned and having that heavy metal toxicity that took so long to, to move out of my body, after that, it was about, it was really about um, trusting, but, but verifying and trying to figure out, you know, what is really going on. And it's hard. There's no doubt 
We moved to Vancouver Island because having that healthy soil changes your gut bacteria. Totally. And like you, I, I went through a lot of crap when I was a kid. I had autoimmune stuff. Mm. I had Hashimoto's. Mm-hmm. I had arthritis when I was 14, mm. just rashes and asthma mm. and obesity and just all the, all the yeah. stuff you don't want. Yeah. And we didn't know, like people just didn't understand no what was clue. going on. Doctors had no clue. And as I went down the path of becoming a biohacker, I'm like, actually I can control this stuff, but it really comes down to food quality. And I could go to the farmer's market you know, every, every day or every week and really do that. Or I could just do it right and even get better quality stuff and then just live in that environment and just breathing soil microbes makes a difference even. So I'm like, if my kids can do that, I'm at least giving them the best start. But it it's formed my opinion of how we ought to be creating food and mm-hmm. how we ought to be creating supplements and just creating environments for people. Totally. What was the first thing you did? So, you know, you're, you're in your 20s. And you're like, I, I took these herbs. They work better. Yeah. What was your first job in the supplements business? So um, my first job in the supplements business was actually when I was in college. Uh, my grandmother uh, I have a friend, so my mother's French and my father's English, and my French grandmother had a little health food store. So my first job, so this was like 25 years ago, was in her health food store. And the first thing that I did, I was out in California and um, Jamba Juice was just starting. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, I can do this so much better because <laughs> I've been juicing since I was like two years old, right? So I've been drinking vegetable juices forever. My that's been my life. And so I thought I can do this better. So I went to my grandmother and I said, you know what? I want to create a juice bar in your store. And my younger brother, his name is Sebastian. I want to call it Sebastian Smoothies. And so I started making organic vegetable juices and smoothies 25 years ago. And that was my first job. Wow. So you've like lived this the whole time. Uh huh. You've also done something else that's, uh, well, pretty unusual. It's not common for CEOs of companies uh, to write a book. (laughs) And you wrote a book called Glow 15, uh, talking about what happens actually in your skin. And I can see why you got that, because you had Mm -hmm. so many skin problems as a child. And like looking at what happens there, and there's so many people out there who say, you know, smear this chemical concoction on your skin and you'll look good. Um, But your whole premise here, and the reason I wanted to talk to you amongst all these other cool things is you're saying that it comes from inside out. Yeah. And I also know you're pretty technical. Like, Mm -hmm. you know what you're talking about. Walk me through how skin happens from inside versus outside. I think everyone listening will appreciate this, even guys, because we don't like to admit it, but guys don't want to look all, you know, pimply, uh, puffy, dark circles just because, well, it doesn't feel good, but we don't really use makeup usually because Uh we're, we're, we're too cool for that. And I think what you, you know, your, your vision of, of living to 180, your skin, our skin is our largest organ, right? And we've got three, at least three layers of our skin. And so the subcutaneous layer, you know, the dermis and the epidermis and how they interplay in our health and how they surround our organs and, and what they do with the connective tissues. So it's, it's so important in my mind what it is that I'm putting on my skin because we're absorbing about 60% of it and that's going into our body, it's going into our organs, it's going into our cells. And so um, Glow 15 was was a book that I got, um, I started to write uh, about three and a half years ago. And what got me inspired to write this book 
was uh, a trip that I took to Calabria, Italy. So part of, you know, my whole world has always been going to the source of where things come from, trusting but verifying the whole supply chain. So I was in Calabria and I was um, sourcing the citrus bergamot fruit. And, you know, citrus bergamot, it, it only grows in a 20-mile range and it's got more flavonoids and flavanols in it and polyphenols than any other citrus fruit. And it's been shown in clinical research to help with cholesterol, you know, both the HDL and then lowering the LDL. So I was there sourcing this ingredient. And there was this one researcher there, Dr. Elizabeth Janda, and she had me in her lab and we were sitting there working all day. And I kept drinking, she, she gave me like three or four cups of the citrus, spicy sort of citrus bergamot tea. We're drinking it all day. And at the end of it, we're walking back, getting ready to go for like an amazing Italian dinner. And I asked her, you know, why are, why do you drink so much of this tea? I love it, but I'm curious. You know, I had been, I spent a lot of time in Okinawa where there's so much green tea that's drank, you know, all of like there's different and being English, a lot of Earl Grey and all the different teas. So I love tea, but I wanted to know why she drank so much of this particular tea and what she said to me was, it activates my autophagy. And that was the first time I heard that word. And that was like four years Define ago. Define that for our listeners because it's one of my favorite words. <laughs> so autophagy in Greek, auto means self and phagy means to eat. So it literally means self-eating. And it means it. And what it does at a cellular level is within each of our cells, we have the ability to activate this process. So it eats up the um, unneeded organelles. It recycles parts of the cell. It's so powerful and we all have it in our body, but all of the factors like processed foods, environmental toxins, so many of these accelerating agers in our environment contribute to decreasing the autophagy that naturally wants to happen in our body. So like when you sleep, your body is activating tons of autophagy. When you eat fat, like fat first and fat most and carbs at the end of the day, you're activating your autophagy. There are certain exercises that activate it. And so I became obsessed with this word, came back to the U.S., and looked for all of the autophagy experts all over the globe. Nice. So I found the skin autophagy expert, Dr. Richard Wang, out of the University of uh, Texas Southwestern. And I was like, Richard, help me find the things that will activate the autophagy in my skin. And then I found the exercise physiologists. And I said, how much exercise do I need to do? And um, the sleep experts on it and uh, the nutritional experts, the food experts. And I put it all together into a plan that I started doing on myself. And that's how my book really came about. It, that's incredible because it, it's one of the, the core tenets behind a lot of the recommendations that have just are part of Bulletproof and a part of me losing hundred pounds and all. Mm -hmm. If you're not getting rid of broken, dead, or just weak cells, mm -hmm. then you look old and you yeah. have inflammation and you actually feel old, which is even worse than looking you know, 10 years older than you are, unless that's how you want to look. But you have fantastic skin and you're just about my age. And I also have unusually good skin. Really good age, skin. Amazing. Guy. And it's, you can tell when you look at someone, like either they're doing, you know, microdermabrasion and laser treatments, but after a couple of years, if that's all you're doing, you just look kind of leathery and it doesn't yep. work. Thins it out, thins out the skin. Right. Do you avoid the sun? I don't 
avoid that much. I I mean, like, uh, for example, I was on the beach this morning early. Growing up in in England, like you said, you know, it's, it rains <laughs> every day, and I love that weather. But as an adult, I've lived in Florida my entire adult life, so I don't avoid it. I'm not a big believer in sunscreen, and I know a lot of people will hate me for that, but it's really because of my autoimmune disorder, and there's there's a lot of tough ingredients, and there are some good brands out there of sunscreen, but most of the time, I I just go in the sun early in the morning or or late in the evening, and I I need that vitamin D like everybody else, so I supplement with it, but I get it from the sun too. I came across a couple of studies because we know our skin is reactive to light. A couple of studies showing collagen formation mm. and thicker collagen if you get some ultraviolet light on your skin. Yeah. The exact light we're blocking with sunscreen yes. because, oh, it might be bad. And I always ask people who have really good skin and some of them are like, oh, you know, I wear a hat and, uh, and sunglasses and a scarf and, and they're like hiding from the sun. Uh, but you have even better skin, and mm -hmm. you actually don't wear sunscreen on a I regular live on basis. The, yeah, and I live on the beach, and I'm I'm on I'm on the beach every single day that I can be. All right, everyone listening to this, <laughs> uh, just wait till you look at the blog post, or just look at Naomi's book on on the cover. Um, her skin looks the same as it does on the cover of the book. Like she's an extraordinarily smooth, just like very healthy looking person, and. The sun avoidance thing, I think, is actually causing more cancer than it's reducing at this point in people just given vitamin D and all that. So I'm happy you're willing to just say I do that. But what are some of the other things? I guess let's start from the outside in. Sure. If, if someone listening wanted to have really good skin, mm. all right, what do you do on the outside to activate autophagy in your skin? So there are a couple of ingredients. So when I when I met with Dr. Richard Wang and and we spent a lot of time together, my my group, myself and my team looked at hundreds of different ingredients that would, would potentially activate autophagy in the skin. And we came to a couple, like we came to four that are our favorite and you're going to love these. So one is caffeine. So we can take the oh, bulletproof yeah. uh, grinds. Caffeine is huge for activating autophagy in the skin. The EGCGs from green tea. Um, the next one that I think is very interesting is uh, ceramides. So, you know, the lipids that are found in so many nutrients, and we think about the good fats, right? So ceramides are really powerful for activating autophagy in the skin. And if you think of the epidermis, the outermost layer of our skin is sort of like a wall, and the mortar that's between it is what keeps that brick wall like together. Well, that mortar is like the ceramides. So as we get older, our skin literally leaks moisture. So we can have a leaky gut. We can have leaky skin too. And dry skin is the first sign of, of skin aging. So for somebody like me that has eczema, I'm always very aware of how moisture is leaking out of my skin because that's a big part of it. So ceramides, and you can get them from a lot of different foods like wheat germ and different things like that, are really beneficial to our health. And you put them on your skin. They're powerful. You can find them in lots of products. Ceramides are really big. I have a question about yeah. ceramides. So I've taken ceramides. Yeah. Uh, and I've taken just about every supplement <laughs> on the planet. So, but I, I stopped taking them. And I've, I haven't used them topically that I know of. But the reason I did it is I came across a few studies that showed that like, like the wrong ceramides in the brain were tied with all sorts of bad mm. brain degenerative things mm -hmm. like that. And I couldn't find any data that would tell me, all right, are the types of ceramides we're getting from wheat germ oil or mm. these various other things, are they going to be bad if they get into mm -hmm. my brain or mm -hmm. are they going to be beneficial? Because we need ceramides right. throughout the body. Yeah. Did you get into that at all? We have some research and um, I, 
I would love to share that with you. But okay. uh, but yeah, I, I'm very aware of of some of this di- different data. And like you said, we need ceramides. They're essential for our health and a big part of it. This is really about how autophagy is activated in the skin. So it's not something that, you know, we're saying dose with high levels of it. And you would take those topically. So you rub those on your yes. face or elbows yes. or backs of your hands, wherever you Absolutely. want it to keep your skin, the skin that is most likely to get damaged. Yeah. Okay. So that's another one. Um, another interesting ingredient is trehalose, which is a sweetener. And there's, you know, different research out there right now around ingesting it. But when you put trehalose on your skin, it's really very powerful for activating the youth. Now, trehalose is, is a really interesting sugar because it's tied to being able to hold moisture in right. any cell. And you want more moisture throughout your body and your cells. And I've gone through phases where I'm like, oh, I'll try eating a quarter cup of trehalose a day. Yeah. And in our guts, we have an enzyme called trehalase that mm-hmm. eats trehalose. By the way, I didn't know we were going to talk about this. This is just the weird <laughs> stuff I read at night. Like, So I'm so happy it. we can I talk about it. it. And trehalase breaks the stuff down. It just becomes like another kind of sugar, unless you take enough of it, in which case you can probably get it in your cells. And even like maybe your liver is more moist. Right. Uh, it, unless you have Clostridia difficile or C. diff, right. in which case it totally explodes, which is a bad thing. So you want to have a healthy gut if you yeah. eat it, but you just smear it on your skin. Yeah, we put it on our skin. And, and you know, I was in Australia where they have this amazing plant called the resurrection plant that can hold its life. Like it can basically, through the activation of autophagy, can hold itself in, in the most dry state and you give it just a tiny bit of water and it and it and it resurrects. And that's because of the trehalose that's in that plant and the way that it works with autophagy. So there's a lot of interesting research that's starting to come with trehalose and autophagy activation. So that's another one. Do you eat trehalose? I do. Much. I personally do. Not much. Not like what you are saying. <laughs> like I'll I will use it if I want to use a sweetener. Okay. Um, it's a very mild sweet. Yeah, it's not really light. as sweet as some yeah. of the other ones like ribose or xylitol or something. Yeah. Okay. Um, interesting. So you guys probably have never heard of trehalose. Uh, it's a very interesting compound. I'm intrigued by it, yeah. uh, but I'm not uh, just be sure you have a good gut or you're taking some probiotics or prebiotics or something. Important you, disclaimer. <laughs> right. Totally. Okay. Uh, and aside from trehalose, EGCG, yeah. uh, what else would you consider as an external autophagy activator for your skin? So you can resveratrol. Have young skin. Okay. Resveratrol. So I'm a huge fan of resveratrol. I have been for many eight, eight, nine years when I first learned about the power of it as a polyphenol. So different polyphenols like EGCG is one, but resveratrol has been shown to do great things with the skin. So I worked with this uh, doctor, you know, Richard Wang, and we put these ingredients together and we did a little clinical study on it. And it's so powerful for the skin, this, these combination of ingredients. And you can make these as a do it yourself, you know, right in your kitchen. So you just toss it all in a, in a blender yeah, and just make a mask out you of it. You sure can. Basically. I have so many different ways that you can use it in, in the book. In the book, you're describing how to basically yeah. mix these things up, which is kind of cool. And I would encourage you if you're listening it's one thing to buy a little pump device full of whatever. There's something cool about you know picking the oil and knowing, oh, I'm going to use this olive oil or coconut or whatever you use, and mm-hmm. then saying, well, what happens if I put three capsules of resveratrol in today? And just seeing how you look that's different. It's actually one of the, the most observable forms of biohacking. And I've definitely, <laughs> definitely posted some funny things. I mixed 
uh, bulletproof coffee grounds, like you were yeah. saying, uh, with brain octane, nice. just for a kick. And Perfect. brain octane, it, it, the skin absorbs that very quickly. But I posted a picture on my Instagram account, which is, I think, Dave.Asprey, if you guys care to see it. And I, I mean, it looks like I have something very unpleasant rubbed on my face. We'll put it that way. But it was just too funny not to. And I put it in my hair and, and I'm like, okay, this is the, the worst selfie I've ever taken. But my skin did look better because I yeah. got the caffeine effects and you mm-hmm. get the polyphenols from the coffee. Yeah. But if I had thought about it, I didn't actually ever know about putting Trulose topically. It would have been fun to put that in there. But totally. if you ever want to just play around for an afternoon and just feel like a bit of a clown, you should follow the recipes in Glow 15 because it's fun. <laughs> it's really cool. All right. So those are topical things. What about like oxygen and skin? Like mm-hmm. oxygen can increase mm-hmm. aging, but I've got three or four oxygen concentrators in my lab at home for various things, hyperbaric oxygen. But one of the things I have that I've never used because I'm too lazy is an oxygen facial where you literally like put a plastic thing over your face and like pump oxygen into your face. Mm-hmm. You look like you're some sort of clone from science fiction if you uh-huh. do it. Uh, and I've been thinking about it, but it seemed like too much work. Do you ever do stuff like that? I, I don't, but I know that there's like a lot of, a lot of research. My whole thing is, is really like where the outside meets the inside. Okay. So I'm thinking about my skin all the time from the inside out. Okay. So it's, it's things like, uh, the best things I can do for my skin. And we talk about it in glow 15 is, is things like fasting. So okay. intermittent fasting is done every every other day when I do intermittent fasting coupled with protein cycling. So low levels. I know we, (laughs) we have so much in common. And when you do intermittent fasting and protein cycling every other day, you're really activating the autophagy, which is cleansing and detoxifying the cell, which is what I need to do and what, you know, most people need to do. And this is one of the big problems with the paleo diet and even mm-hmm. most versions of keto diets mm-hmm. is that there's a lot of protein and it's yeah. a protein that if you never stop eating it, it causes inflammation. Your skin doesn't look good. And it's not even the kind of protein that your skin is made out of. Right. Right. So I love that you're saying some days don't eat protein. Yeah. How low do people need to go in your research to hit autophagy levels? So uh, on a day, so I have high days and low days. So every other day, like one day is a high day and you and you basically would eat as you normally do. There's 140 different foods that you can eat and timing matters. Oh, yeah. But on a, on a low day um, where you intermittent fast until about noon, that's when you'll have about 25 grams of protein. And you know, you know, we both know that fat has to be the dominant macronutrient in our okay. diets. I remember at JJ's wedding, <laughs> I was, I, we were all partying, having a great time. And this is for all the listeners, um, which I thought was so cool. And there's a bunch of Kerrygold on the, on the table, a stick of Kerrygold. And of course I know like Dave, you, you move around with your Kerrygold and, and, and your brain octane. And I think all- I said it there. Maybe JJ put it there because she knows. We're talking about JJ Virgin who's also been on the show. Yeah, so. it was, it was very cool, but it's, you know, fat first and fat most because that's activating the autophagy and, and, and with fat and how it's so different than protein, which we all know protein can turn into a carb right? So it can become a sugar. And my body does so much better when I am able to burn fat as my fuel instead of sugar as my fuel. Okay. You're CEO of a big company. Mm -hmm. How many employees does Twin Lab have? 150. Okay. A couple hundred. Right. So, and it's a well, long established brand. Yeah. 50 year old. Yeah. 50 year old brand. And you go to business meetings like I do with, I'm sure, you know, people from big food. Yes. uh, And 
Do they just look at you like you're crazy pants when you eat this way? They sure do. I brought like what I would normally eat for you to see. And this is truly my average day. It's like three avocados, tons of olive oil. Yep. We, uh, we have some peely nuts here and each of them have one and a half grams of fat. I'll eat a big handful, 20, 25 grams of fat there. We've never talked about those on, on the show. And mm. this is a new kind of nut that you, I've never even seen them at Whole Foods. Like I know, no, no, no. They're real. And, and they have high levels of magnesium too. Yeah. They're, they're super good and they're like creamy. I like them better than macadamias. Mm -hmm. I do too. And I eat a ton of macadamia nuts. So I've always used a lot of fat. Like growing up in Europe, fat is our friend, right? You get all of the good fat in the food. I never even heard of low fat or no fat. And I disagree with it so much. So eating good fats, the good oils, and then um, never eating low fat or no fat over the past couple of years. So when I sold my company, I now am running a public company and, and there's a ton of chronic stress that comes with it. And when I was driving here, I was talking to my team and I'm like, do you guys realize in the past two and a half years, I've dropped 10 pounds. Now I'm, I'm five foot, I'm like five foot eight. I weigh 120 pounds. I was 130. That's not overweight in any way, shape or form, but I've dropped 10 pounds by activating my autophagy, by eating more fat than I could ever imagine, never counting a calorie, being satiated, having that mental focus and dealing with chronic, chronic stress. And I believe it's really through fat first, carbs last, intermittent fasting, protein cycling, these these kind of principles. And this is something that I want all of you to hear. Here's a high-performing CEO <laughs> who uses all of these to deal with the stress of being a high-performing CEO, and not just to deal with it and hold the line, but actually to move the line back. And I do the same kinds of things. I don't think it's possible to live a CEO life if you're not taking control of these variables, if you're going out to dinner every night, eating whatever they throw down at the at the table and drinking a few glasses, even of wine and hopping on an airplane and you know, eating a few French fries and things like that, your brain won't work no. and you'll age really quickly. And if you don't believe me, look at any president of the country before and after a four year right. term, like their hair turns gray, their skin falls off. <laughs> like totally, I mean, it ages you. And that's an, an example of extreme stress, but CEOs, I don't know if you've, my, your calendar probably looks like mine, but it's like back to back every minute. Yep. And when you're mission driven and all like it's for a good cause and it's worth it. But if you don't take care of yourself the way you are, and you just said it, like I lost weight. I got better than I was before. And you're doing this in your forties and you're not in doing my mid forties, <laughs> in my mid forties. And, and it's, and that's exactly it. Like I've put more stress on myself than ever. I'm in the best health and the best shape I could be. I'm in my mid forties. I have tons of energy, but it's really about like, I almost call it like um, cellular brilliance, right? When you can take the toxic fat, the toxic buildup that's in our bodies, and you can push it out by activating the autophagy through exercise, through food, through nutrition, whatever it may be, through sleep, through sex. Sex is a great way to activate autophagy. Um, when you can do these sort of things, okay. then- How many times a day do I have to do that? Well, you have to have 200 <laughs> orgasms a year in order to really get the prime benefits of sex. That's the number. Now, is that the same for men and women? I don't know about men. I'm always thinking about women. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but I can tell you for women, that's what it's. What and it you actually have a study on that. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I so have to see that. Uh -huh. All right. 
Now, I didn't say, is that in GLOW 15? The, the two, um, well, no. we talk about sex activating right. autophagy, um, but we don't talk about the number of orgasms that you need to have. Right. So that means that, um, you know, if you're a woman, uh, you need to keep a little notch by the bed. Uh -huh. Is that how it works? And, <laughs> and if you're a guy and you're taking care of the woman in your life, you need to do that. And uh, we won't go into the whole question about how often that is for men. I've done other podcasts and I did a year's worth of data on that, but I wasn't measuring autophagy during it. So there's something else that's really good for autophagy, and that's spermidine. So spermidine yes. can be found in, um, it can be found in pineapples. There's lots of good foods. And of course, it can be found in a man. And so um, that's something that's also fantastic for our health. And especially topically? Specifically. <laughs> there's no specifically. way to... It's just, like the best for skincare. <laughs> you have to say that with, without laughing. I can't do it. I've looked at spermidine, actually posted about it, and it, it actually has some pathways similar to what glutathione does mm -hmm. in the body. And glutathione's yeah. in a cellular and just a whole body antioxidant that uh, is in a lot of supplements. We make one, I think Twinlab yeah. makes a glutathione supplement as well. And it's, uh, it's important, but very few people have heard about spermidine. So when I looked at all these papers on it, I'm like, I need some spermidine. I'm like, and I don't think the onboard processing way is going to make enough. Uh, to put it uh, nicely. So I looked at, you know, can I go buy spermidine? And it is really expensive. It's super expensive, and like, yeah. Okay, that that's not a, a, a supplement that I can afford, but if I could buy like a bucket of spermidine, I would probably rub it on my skin or Absolutely. maybe even drink some. Uh -huh. I just, I hear it tastes bad, but it was like $1,000 for a little vial. So Isn't I'm like, that incredible? I don't know why it's so expensive, but uh, maybe that's a supplement that'll come out someday if we can learn how to synthesize it. Because honestly, I think it would be a yeah. game-changing supplement. It is. It is. It's, I mean, the, the research is game-changing. Uh, the, the way that it activates the, you know, the pathways that it uses to activate autophagy, it's game-changing. So I think we'll see more and more of it. And autophagy, you know, it's it's it won the Nobel Prize in medicine. A Japanese biologist won it in 2016. And since then, um, you see more and more research coming out and its effects on cancer and and all of the different neurodegenerative diseases. So we all have this process in our body. It's like within the cell, if you think of, for example, like a kitchen, right? And this is a this is an analogy that someone could could see. If you're making a meal and after the meal, you sort of clean up the counter, you throw away the leftovers, you recycle some of it. And the next day you have a clean kitchen and you do the same thing. That's autophagy working well. If, for example, as we get older, we have all of these pollutants, environmental toxins impacting us, we make a meal, we leave some of the stuff on the counter, some of it gets into the garbage, some of it gets into the recycling bin, it doesn't get outside to the street corner and we start building this toxic waste up and it gets fermented and starts to smell and that's when autophagy isn't working in our bodies so it's worthwhile really knowing about it do you get body odor i don't notice <laughs> it i don't wear deodorant <laughs> so i'd have to ask i'd have to ask the other people in the room i really i don't i mean no, the the reason i'm asking that is that i find that people who have high levels of autophagy over time yeah and eat a clean diet that's primarily fat have radically less body odor. Yeah. Like I've certainly noticed a difference. I don't wear deodorant either. No. And I don't have to shower every day. Yeah. And I still don't smell. At right. least no one tells me I smell. I mean, no, no, you it. no, I would never but, but, <laughs> but you, you know, know what you, I'm saying? Like like your body burns that's clean right. is what the reason it's I brought that up. It's clean burning. And yeah. in Chinese medicine or in different parts of the world, you know, they smell your back. Yeah. And and that and they can tell what your health is like by the smell of in between, you know, your shoulder blades. And so I think 
the the scent that comes through our out through our skin is is very indicative of our health. It's funny they choose the shoulder blades because those are the part of the body that has the most brown fat, which has mm. the most mitochondria. And mitochondrial sensing of the environment around you is one of the things that turns on autophagy, mostly through circadian biology, right? Yep. So how the heck did these Chinese doctors a thousand years ago figure it out? Because they didn't know those pathways. Right. I think they just kind of did like noticing things and correlating things. But I, I just find it amazing. Isn't it amazing? Thousands of years they've been doing this. And that's the same thing like with fasting, right? I've been fasting for 25 years because of because of my eczema and my autoimmune health. But think about the amount of research right now that's coming out on intermittent fasting, on five-day water fasts is starting, you know, I, I spend most of my time with researchers in the universities. Yeah. And uh, really over the past couple of years, you just can't believe how much good data is coming out, but it's been around for thousands of years, right? It has. And we've had this weird Western pharmaceutical bias that says that doesn't work because it can't. Mm -hmm. and, and the assumption that it can't means because I don't know how it works, which is an anti-science perspective. And it seems like there's been a shift now where over the last just maybe 10, 20 years, Suddenly we can talk about acupuncture without people just saying, oh, you wear tinfoil hats right. and, you know, you're just, you're weird. And to talk about Chinese herbs and talk about these ancient practices and actually honor that maybe they weren't all just dumb. Mm -hmm. <laughs> maybe there was a reason they did these things. And when you, you think back even just a couple hundred years, there wasn't enough food quite often. You didn't waste energy and waste That's time right. on stuff that didn't work because if you did, you didn't have children who survived. Like we didn't evolve if right. you wasted hundreds of hours a year on these weird practices. So there's some reason for them. And I feel like these recent Nobel Prizes, uh, the researchers that you're talking to, that these are the people who are saying, well, okay, let's look at those because it doesn't make sense to just blindly you know, throw a dart and let's look at that because the odds of hitting something are low. So let's take the existing base of human knowledge and some of it's wrong. Like there were metals in yes. your Chinese herbs and some traditional cures are actually straight up lead and mercury. Like those are probably not a good cure, mm. but I'm also willing to say, you know what, maybe there's something interesting that happens when you give someone with syphilis some mercury because that's what they used it right. for. And maybe those pathways are valuable, but I don't think we want to use mercury as a curative anymore. Mm -hmm. But to just sort of ignore all of that is just the height of scientific hubris. And it's at this point, it's kind of offensive because I found more that works there for me to lose the 100 pounds, for me right. to turn my brain on and stop being inflamed. I found more from plants and traditional knowledge than I did from the Western knowledge that I started out with. So interesting. I mean, like with with my book, what I did is when I understood from these researchers, like I worked with researchers that, for example, this guy, Dr. William Dunn out of um, the university, uh, UF, University of Florida, he's been researching autophagy for 30 years. Like this man is so unbelievably intelligent when it comes to autophagy. And he shared with me so many different insights. But what I realized was a lot of these things I was doing on my own. And when I put the simple program together, I was able to transform my energy, my health, my well-being. And so I decided like, you know what? I want to see if other people get these same kind of benefits from these like almost ancient practices. We did a study at Jacksonville University, a lifestyle study where we looked at skin, we looked at um, body fat, we looked at all of these biomarkers of health. We did exercises, certain foods that, that the people ate on the Glow 15 program. 
And the reason the book was called is called Glow 15 is we did an eight-week clinical study with tons of women. And what happened was after two weeks, so 15 days, the researchers, the lead researcher called me up. She's like, Naomi, you're never going to believe that every single woman in this study has achieved benefits in two weeks of the program. And that's why we called it Glow 15. Because it actually worked. Yeah. And it started working fast. How many French fries a day can you eat on Glow 15? <laughs> you know, it's it's none, none, <laughs> but you but you can eat carbs, but not those kind of carbs. So it's like yeah. it's the it's what we were talking about before that timing matters so much. Mm-hmm. So fat first. Yes. So whenever you start your day, if you're intermittent fasting and you start at noon, fat first and carbs last. So you're using if you're going to take some carbs and I want them to be, you know, good carbs if there are such, you know, light versions and and not, a lot of yellow sugar, vegetables, exactly. not right. sugar. Eat them at the end of the day. Amen. When you're recovering, when your body wants to go to sleep and recover. Uh, like our our findings over the course of both our lives are so in alignment that it it's <sighs> funny. And a lot of people are saying, well, if you have carbs in the evening, you'll get fat. And you don't look fat to me. <laughs> no, I, I, um, I don't believe that. I don't believe in 99% of the information that's out there because I just listen to my body and then I, I sort of test and, and go from there. And to know that by activating autophagy, I'm like changing my whole system. It's, it's a humbling thing to understand. This autophagy stuff is super powerful. And I, I did something that'll, we'll, I'll talk about it when I'm allowed under India and all this. And it, it was a, an advanced treatment that restores your, uh, your immune system mm-hmm. to a younger state. Mm-hmm. And after I did this, it, it really ramped up autophagy for about a week. Yeah. And during that time, it was so weird. I couldn't stop peeing mm. and I wasn't drinking much water at all. And what happened was I was basically taking old cells and cell membranes are made out of fat. When you metabolize fat, it turns into water. That's how come camels store water in their hump. They actually store fat in their hump, but when you metabolize fat, it becomes water. And I was literally dumping like damaged old cells so quickly that I was like filling my bladder up with water from metabolized fat without having to drink water. And it was the weirdest thing, but this is how powerful that is. So powerful. I want to tell you what it is, but I'm not allowed. Okay, so well, when, we'll wait. When the well, time is right, I'll, I'll tell you. But that's the fun of being, you know, a, a guinea pig and a professional biohacker is I get mm-hmm. to try this stuff before before it comes out. What are some of the other things uh, that we can do? I, I know sleep we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. but in the book, you talk about one of my favorite guys, uh, Dr. Michael Bruce yes. with chronotypes. Yeah. Uh, for people who haven't heard the interview with Michael Bruce, um, he wrote The Power of When. Just kind of walk me through what a chronotype is and then tell yeah. me what yours is. So what happened in our in our clinical study, the GLOW-15 clinical study, was at the end of it, I met with all of the women and the researchers and, and we talked about like what worked the best, what we would do differently, you know, for the program. And everyone was talking about, well, we got these incredible results, lost this weight, had more energy, you know, got off medication, so many different things. But there were complaints around the sleep. They didn't get the mm-hmm. restorative sleep that they were hoping. So that's when I called up America's sleep doctor, you know, Michael. And I said, Michael, what what am I doing wrong? And he said to me, and he, he actually wrote a chapter in the book with me. And what he said is they don't know their chronotypes. Right. So what type of sleeper they are. So we put a quiz right into the book to figure out what kind of sleeper you are. 
And then once you know that, you're activating your autophagy through your circadian rhythm. So their circadian rhythm was off, which prevented them from activating the autophagy at night, which is when we get most of the benefit of autophagy activation. So what Michael did is he really helped us to get in touch with our own biorhythm, right? Our own circadian rhythm. And then once we could do that, we could get the benefits. Pretty amazing. Uh, the idea that there are four different types of people mm -hmm. genetically, where if we evolve to be in a tribe of 150 people, 15% of people wake up really, really early. And uh, I call them the bad people. <laughs> uh, he calls them lions. And they just naturally pop out of bed at 5 a.m. And if you tell them that they have to sleep till 8 or 9, they won't do it because they can't. And you tell them to stay up till midnight, it's like death to them. And then 15% of people are the night shift in case any like night predators come. And you tell them to go to bed before 1 or 2 in the morning. Like, why would I do that? That's my best time. Uh, and then you have about 50% of people who just hang out in the middle. And some people who just never sleep very well. They're the backup alarm system. In fact, this is such a big deal that at Bulletproof, when employees join the company, they actually take a, the test mm -hmm. to figure out their chronotype, and we put it in our HR system. Oh, I love it. So you're not going to schedule a 7 a.m. meeting with someone like me, because I'll take it if I have to. I'm just not going to be a very happy camper, right? And what it means is that there's no moral superiority to waking up early or staying up late, um, except as one of the wolves, the people who stay up really late, I can tell you that my experience is that the early bird works for the late bird. Mm. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Just kidding. So what's That's your chronotype? Awesome. Which one are you? So I'm an early bird. <laughs> <You are. laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm here to work with and for you. No, I'm I totally love kidding. it. But um, it can also change at different times in our life, yes. right? So uh, I, I loved learning about my chronotype and I love being able to share that because for me, you know, for, for women in general, it's it's a matter of understanding like how we get out of that place of just surviving. You know, yeah. if we're working, we have families, we have children, we've got, we're juggling like 15 avocados, right? We're so overwhelmed with so much different pressures. And I speak to my girlfriends that are female CEOs and executives, and it's a challenge. So my whole objective is to provide like the simple and easy solutions to really activating the youth inside of our cell. Because when we do that, if it's through getting, you know, aware of your chronotype, taking a quiz and just knowing what that is, I love that you do it with your team, to knowing what type of exercise you should be doing. There's like two very simple exercises. You're either, and you can do this through um, weightlifting, you can do this through yoga. It's just resistance training mm -hmm. and less is more. So 30 minutes every other day is the best way to activate autophagy. Not that much. Not that much. Less is more. And it's just getting that good stress, that short-term stress, that acute stress to be going because autophagy loves stress too, but it loves the good stress or interval training. And, and like, I like to walk. I don't like to go to the gym. Never have, never will do very, very little exercise, but interval training. So it could be walking faster for a minute and slowing down for the next. How many marathons have you run? Uh, zero. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of knew that answer. <laughs> One of the things that you can spot, uh, and this is not a criticism. I, I have great respect for people who are going to do long-term endurance events because you're, you're pushing yourself past your own limits. But if you do them on a regular basis as part of your lifestyle, your skin is going to look like you live inside a food processor. Like mm -hmm. it ages you very quickly mm -hmm. if you put yourself under that much stress on a regular yeah. basis. Uh, so I was just guessing from <laughs> looking at you that you aren't a frequent endurance athlete. 
Um, but there are, there are some other aging things that might be turned on by endurance exercise, like there's some studies around longer telomeres. Right. Can we talk about telomeres? We can, sure. I was, I was just, uh, I was telling you, I was at Lake Nona about two weeks ago, and uh, Dr. Sanjay Gupta had on, um, Lake Nona is an amazing place in Orlando, Florida, where there's about 13,000 people that live there, and it's all geared toward wellness, right? And so there was the Nobel Prize uh, laureate uh, there who had researched and actually discovered the telomere. Well, and the telomere, if uh, you're listening, you haven't heard of it before, this is a little part of your cell, and every time a cell divides, it gets a little bit shorter. So the, the idea is that when you run out of these things, you die, or at least your cells die. And so if you have longer telomeres, you'll have younger-looking skin, and you'll probably be resistant to cancer and a lot of the diseases of aging. So one of my anti-aging strategies to make it to at least 180 is I'd like to have longer telomeres. You need to meet this woman, Dr. Elizabeth Blackburn. She's the researcher. She's she's such a badass. She's in I, want like, to. I think she's in her late seventies or early eighties. You would never imagine. Imagine that this woman is that age. And to be able to discover, like, oh, there's something that's called a telomere. And uh this is gonna do all of this for our health and well being. It's just humbling to be around her. I interviewed her co-author on the show because uh, she didn't want to do the podcast because I think she was just really busy. Yeah. So I'm going to get her in person on the show because nice. she's like one of my heroes. Yes. Um, it's it's great to see uh, women in science who've done it for a long time. Uh, my grandmother's a nuclear engineer. And, and, and in fact, the computer science lab at Vassar University mm. is named after one of my grandmother's sisters. That's so cool. And it's, so it's like, but it's so rare, especially when you get uh, to find women who are over 60, who've had a long career in science and then to win a Nobel prize and to have that, that sort of experience. I just think that's so badass because it is, it, I think it is a little bit tougher for women. And you've alluded to yeah. that earlier. And yeah. as a, an entrepreneur and as a CEO and all of that, uh, I've done a good amount of entrepreneurial coaching. I advise a lot of companies and one of the first things, like with a, a lot of the women, uh, especially in smaller companies doing a couple million right. dollars in revenue, I'm like, do you wash your own laundry? And they're like, mm -hmm. yes. And I'm like, why are you yes. doing that? Like, no, it's, it's a so sin. True. Like, if you're washing your own socks and you're running a company, like, you're a bad person. I don't actually say that. But, right. you know, it, it's like. like it's but, overwhelmed. But it's, it's overwhelmed. this desire to, to care that it just seems like. I don't know if it's genetic or whatever, but it seems like it's just built in. And, and if you look in the average relationship that happens, but it seems like it's really hard or maybe harder for uh, for women entrepreneurs to allow themselves to be supported as entrepreneurs and just as human beings for it. What's your experience been like learning how to be, uh, you know, a very successful CEO and an entrepreneur and to allow yourself to be supported while you do that? Like, what's your practice for that? I love that you asked that question. So I think first and foremost, as women, we suffer more. Our brains are more complex in the way that we process information. So we need to just understand that our biology obviously is very different than a man's. So that's number one. So once I respected and understood that, I gave myself opportunities for smart self-care. And this is something that I, I don't think I've told anyone, and now everyone's going to hear this, but I always give myself permission. And, and a, a perfect example of that is when I was first starting out in business, so I was in my early 20s, the first hire that I made, I got myself a nanny. 
and she yes. lived in my house yes. with me. And I was living alone and she could she could do my hair, she could do my nails, she could cook my food, she could keep my house clean, and she could nurture and nourish me because I'm, you know, as a woman, we're nurturers. And that gave me such a killer competitive advantage. And it gave her one too, because she thrived in my environment, which helped me thrive. People would come over and to this day, lots of people will judge me for the choices that I make to scale my life. But if I'm doing a job that somebody else can do, and I can do a different job with my creativity and my skill set, why would I take that away from somebody else? And that's the way I look at it. And I think for most women that have businesses, 98% of women's businesses never get to be over a million dollars, Dave. Mm. 98%, right? What are we doing wrong? Why can't we grow and scale businesses? Because we're trying to do everything. It doesn't work that way. My, and I'll, I'll go into the Eastern medicine, spending time in caves in Tibet kind of experiences in my life. Uh, my sensation is that the act of creating a company is an act of nurturing. Mm -hmm. Like it's the same thing that a mother does for a child. And you put like your own nurturing energy into the company culture, into the mission, the vision. And, and it's actually a, an act of creativity, but it's an act of nurturing and caring. And if you're wired to do that, but you've got no one caring for you while you're putting all of your caring into something else, it's the same thing that happens to moms when they have a baby right. and without enough support. For that first like year or two, they're like complete zombies because you know they're not getting enough sleep and they're nurturing another person. Mm -hmm. And unless they have the care of a community um, yeah. or a family and other things like that, it's incredibly stressful and exhausting and draining. So for either a man or a woman to start a company, they're going to take their nurturing and their caring energy and they're going to put it into something that isn't mm -hmm. a person. And if they're not backed up with some of that, <laughs> it just sucks you dry. Right? Oh, completely. And in order to have that creativity and that ability to, to transform people's health and their lives, like you and I wake up every single morning and that's what we're doing and that's what we're focused on. And it takes so much energy to do that. So self-care or self-soothing. I mean, like simple things that I do. The first thing I do in the morning when I wake up before I get out of bed is I meditate. That's when my cortisol levels are at the highest. And if I can work with them first thing in the morning, which is exactly what I did this morning, and I'm in that half sort of sleep state, my whole day is different. The next thing I do, I do is I drink, I don't drink my, my bulletproof yet. I drink an ice cold <laughs> glass of water to support and, and get my metabolism going. So you drink cold water? I do. Okay. No, the Chinese medicine guys would say, oh, right. never drink cold never. water. It's bad. And I didn't for years. So, so why cold? Because there's, autophagy? there is research. Yes. With autophagy, but there is research that it really supports the metabolism okay. and, and getting the metabolism activated early, early on. And then, you know, Michael Bruce always talks about this, but having a cup of coffee, having your, your coffee an hour and a half into the morning. Especially for early chronotype people. Exactly. Right? Yep. Okay. And so, okay. So you, you, you meditate or you meditate, you drink a glass of cold mm -hmm. water. Do you put salt or lemon or anything cool? Sometimes vinegar? I'll put lemon. Sometimes okay. I'll put some of the um, Himalayan salt. Okay. Yeah, sure. Got it. So those are like things that I yeah. also do. All right. And what's next? Well, I, it depends on which day it is. So okay. like today was a low day for me and I, I don't eat until, you know, 12, 1230. And when I do eat, the next thing I do, so I'll have, I'll have like around 10 a.m., I'll have some green tea. Of course, I want to have it organic. I'll have coffee. Like I, I love it. 
And then around lunchtime, I'm going to be starting with my fat first. So that's when I really get into the fat first. I love bone broth. There's so many, you know, great foods that I love to eat. Now, I don't know how you'll answer this question, uh, but I'm, I'm really interested. Uh, I sometimes do straight up intermittent fasting. I wake up mm-hmm. as a as a wolf. Uh, coffee for me is something usually within the first, like I'll wake up and I'll meditate. Uh, like I'll listen to, um, lately I've been doing uh, Dr. Barry's things. Uh, Dr. Barry Morgan's been on the show and his meditation is like 15, 20 minutes uh, before I'm out of bed. And then I'll wake up and I'll take my empty stomach supplements yep. uh, and then I'll you know, start the coffee brewing and all that stuff. And I'm not a zombie before the coffee, but I just like my coffee at that yes. time. And some days it's straight up intermittent fasting uh, where I just have coffee and nothing. And probably more often than not, I do it with Bulletproof. And I looked at all the research on autophagy and I looked at what happens if you keep your insulin levels low. Yep. And on the days when I do that, I have more energy um, but I'm, I mean, there's, there's great debate. What is exactly a fast? Cause if you have salt and not just mm-hmm. water, is it mm-hmm. a fast? Is it, if you have tea, right. if you have coffee right. and I would say, like, if you're not consuming, <laughs> um, pretty much protein and sugar, uh, you're getting the fasting like effects, mm-hmm. but what's your take on having a, a small dose of fat in the morning to make the rest of the fat effortless and to have more energy do you think we're getting autophagy or not? Yeah, you definitely are. That's my so, sense as yeah, well. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the data shows that you are. So I think, especially for women, right? So I'm, I'm always looking through the female lens. So women, most guys are like, yeah, I'm all about fasting. I'm intermittent fasting. You're getting the benefits. And a lot of women, 90% of the time, there's skepticism. They're worried. I, my body can't do it. And, you know, we're dealing with different hormones. So for a woman who wants to get into fasting, which I, of course, love and recommend, I've been doing it for 25 years, there are steps that make it easier. And so the first step is, of course, getting sugar out of our diets, number one, then becoming fat adapted. Mm -hmm. So you can understand that, you know, fat first and fat most, like you, what do you eat? 70, 80% of your diet? Depends on the day, but Mm -hmm. something like that. Yeah. So getting fat adapted where you have that metabolic flexibility and you're burning fat. I have to say though, it doesn't mean I never eat carbs. I eat carbs on a regular basis because I have bacteria in my gut that like them. I just don't eat sugar. Right. Right. Okay. Which is, which is such an important thing because so many people believe like if you're going to do keto or whatever it is, you can't have, you know, you can't have the carbs. And I'm, I'm with you. Like for me, it's about the good polyphenols, Yes, getting the polyphenols that are found in so many nutrients. Like you talked about the supplements and it's also really important to be able to get that fiber and some of those carbs just later. Mm. Um, but for someone who's just getting into fasting, intermittent fasting, if you can, um, get fat adapted where your body is using it as your fuel. And then you start to, you know, you stop eating at 8 p.m. at night and you go till 10 in the morning. And when you first start eating or you're having your coffee, you do a bulletproof coffee, you're able to sustain and satiate yourself in a way where you're still getting the fasting benefiting effects. That is what all the science I could find mm-hmm. when I wrote the Bulletproof Diet. And this was 2014 yes. or something. And just you you, you can tell if you're fasted and you're getting autophagy when you're used to these feelings. Uh, and so to this day, there's still controversy. Like, is a yes. Bulletproof intermittent fast really fast? I'm like, mm-hmm. if there's no protein and no sugar, yep. yeah. Yeah. And so that, that's been years and thanks. I was, uh, you could have easily said, no, absolutely not. And I would have listened, but no, I look at this all the time. Okay. I look at it all the time. And I just think, um, with, with activating the autophagy, I mean, you can activate it in lots of different ways. I just did a five day water fast a couple of weeks ago. And I love that at day three, 
you're activating, you know, Walter Longo talks about mm -hmm. how you're activating your stem cells. And I just interviewed him and I know you have, and, and you're getting that stem cell generation and you're activating autophagy at different levels. So an intermittent fast is a great way to do it. 24 hour fast, water fasts. I mean, there's so many ways to go. One of uh, the most popular posts I've written was about uh, women, uh, women in intermittent fasting, uh, a bad combination yeah. <laughs> or something like that. And what I was seeing was that when women would go all in and they would intermittent fast without even any fat in the morning, um, that after maybe usually a few weeks to a month, like their sleep quality goes down and their cortisol levels go up and th their life quality goes down, but they feel so good for the first couple of weeks. Like I got to keep doing this because I feel good. And then after two months of it, like, okay, my hormones aren't working well. I don't feel very good, which is why I just love in your book you're like, okay, don't do it every day. You don't right. have to. That's the point. That's yeah. exactly why. It's every other day. Yeah. And and I found that if you add fat, especially for women in the morning, that they're getting the benefits, but yeah. they feel better because we all get cravings. I mean, as a former 300-pound guy, I, like I, I didn't know that there was something besides a craving. I thought it was the same as hunger. They're very different sensations, but I think women are subject to cravings more than men. I totally agree with you, Dave, and like, I love I'm that you say that. I'm just, that's my perception. No, you're 100%, so in my opinion, 100% right. Okay. I mean, I think the relationship that we as women have with food and with cravings, and it's so hard for women because, right, calorie counting, low fat, no fat has been the mantra. But to be able to turn that on its head and say, I'm obsessed with good fat, embrace it, use it. Every single day, fat first and fat most, it will satiate you, you'll lose weight, you'll feel better, you'll totally change your relationship to food. I mean, for me, I've been a sugar addict for years, and it wasn't until I replaced the glucose, the sugar, with fat that my life totally transformed, and it did it by activating autophagy. That is awesome. And I, just, I think you nailed it with your book. I was impressed you had uh, Sanjay Gupta, uh, who's a, a really great guy, yeah. um, write the forward for it. And and you nailed it. And it's so good that you're writing it specifically from the perspective um, of a woman. Mm -hmm. And not just a woman, but also a woman who's like kicking some serious ass <laughs> in your career and getting younger and better as you do it. Like that is so rare. And to be able to write that down uh, and share it. And there's a lot of, I'm just going to say keto bro culture out mm -hmm. there, but ketosis for women, for fertility, for hormones, and just for cravings and cognitive function, it's so important, but it's not the only thing. And you just, you, you nailed that balance in a way I thought oh. was really helpful. So thank for, you. Thanks for writing Glow 15. Thanks for being on, on the radio. And I got to ask you this question. Yes. If someone came to you tomorrow and they said, Naomi, I want to perform better at everything I do as a human being, you know, not just my job, but mm -hmm. everything. What are the three most important pieces of advice you'd have for me? Great. What would you tell them? I would tell them first and foremost to understand their relationship with their macronutrients, right? So, so fat. Number two, I would talk about meditation and, and um, mental health and self-care because that's so undervalued. And I think we have to have that if it's, if it's the community that loves us, the people that support us, that is such a critical part of performing at our very best. The third thing I would say is move around, twitch, you know, <laughs> let your legs go up and down when you're sitting here, you know, wherever you're sitting. Yeah. This twitching that you're doing, you're, you're, you're burning, you're building brown fat just by doing that. So like engage in, in twitching, engage in, uh, when you exercise, you know, scratching your body to get, to get 
activation moving in your in your so cells. Move a lot. Yeah, move a lot, and in lots of different ways. Beautiful, great pieces of advice, uh, Naomi. Where can people find Glow Fifteen? I'm guessing everywhere books are sold. Yeah, uh, Glow Fifteen is found everywhere that books are sold. Amazon, Barnes and Noble. It's going to be found at GNC. It's all over the place. Oh, beautiful. And uh, is there a URL people can go to like read about your stuff? Sure. You can go to Glow 15. There's Facebook, Naomi Whittle, all over the place. Uh, and just so grateful and blessed to have had this time with you. Uh, likewise. And, and now that we're officially done with the show, I just have to tell uh, everyone listening, Naomi's like one of those CEOs who's just super kind and helpful to everyone in the industry. And supplements can be really a cutthroat kind of a place. And, you know, like there's been a couple of times where she's just reached out and been like, how can I help? And mm -hmm. like, oh, I have the right resource for you. And so there are a huge number of people out there uh, when you, you know, when you look for them um, who are looking at how do we make the world better and how do we help everyone do it, even if they're doing something similar? And Naomi's totally one of those people. So she's good people and you should read her book. Thank you so much. Collaboration is the new competition and that's how we move forward. It is. Thanks, Naomi. Thanks, Dave. A human upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.